Oh, here's Brandon. Oh, my apologies, folks. I'm sorry, Dr. Hall. We're waiting for you to get started. Do you want to do some welcoming? Oh, well, yeah. Well, you know, you guys know it's a our Friday webinar. We're at about to hit up flu week. So I think that's what Dr. Hall and her team are going to discuss. Um, I only have one big one quick announcement, as we mentioned earlier. Um, first of all, happy December, made to the end of the year. And then two, we have our 40 under 40 applications out. So uh, if you can, we'll put a chat, we'll put that in the in the chat. If you have anybody that you know, please recommend them uh, for it. I just want to get out of your hair and apologize for coming in right at noon. So uh, Dr. Hall, I'll let you and your team take it away. Thank you so much, Brandon. I, I'm thinking everyone can hear me and see my screen. So let's get on with this December 2nd webinar on the eve of National Influenza Vaccination Week. Um, I'm gonna just provide a few uh, introductory comments and, and introduce our panelists who are amazing people. And we have some fun video uh, uh, for you all to learn from and enjoy as well. So let's proceed. Uh, I will remind you that I'm the president of SHC, Center for Sustainable Healthcare Quality and Equity, which uh, Gary invited me to launch uh, six years ago. It's our six year, sixth birthday, if you will. And what we do is are guided by a vision of sustainable, healthy communities in every zip code. And we do that by using all the amazing resources and data from NMQF to really help clinicians and community leaders promote health in their communities. I can't talk about SHC without pointing to the wonderful team that we have. And we, I know that two of them, Chinny and Leslie are on this call and they're just terrific, dedicated health champions. You're gonna hear more about this, but I just wanna show you that it's almost all purple in America in terms of very high flu activity across the country. This is a couple weeks out of date. And this slide just shows you, you know, I could just point to this number here that we are lagging in terms of flu vaccination rates, 6% lower at this point, from last year, and which was 13% lower than the year before. So higher rates, lower vaccinations. I also think as we're celebrating the role of women, that it, um, I, I like to show results from a study that we did with Dr. Um, Mahmoud as the principal investigator, and he, he it was published in Lancet. Uh, in the you know the take home is that there are yes disparities between people of color and white individuals. This is even in the Medicare program. Uh, so this population, it's all over sixty five from our analysis. Um, you know, forty one percent 
among black beneficiaries versus 53, 54% among white beneficiaries. Note that black women had the lowest rates. And also the analysis really ruled out almost every explanation except for the race of the beneficiary. So I guess we got our work cut out for us, huh? So let me just introduce who we have today. We will be, um, after a little video, we will be welcomed by Reverend Dr. Tawana Harris. She's the senior pastor of Carter Metropolitan Christian Methodist Episcopal Church in Detroit, Michigan. That title alone does not even give you the slightest um, sense of how passionate, accomplished, what a leader she is. And we're so delighted she can talk to us first about um, you know, her perspective on the church and women and vaccination and flu. After, um, after Reverend Harris, we're so fortunate to be joined by Dr. Besselow, a pediatrician, public health vaccine expert, a former medical officer at the CDC. She is extremely knowledgeable about vaccinations and especially flu. And we thank you so much, Yabo, for being here with us today. And next is uh, Dr. Sandra Quinn. So she is maybe the world's leading expert and researcher when it comes to vaccine disparities in communities of color. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating. Uh, she's been invited to state and national panels as we've gone through more than two years of COVID. She's from the University of Maryland. She's chair of family science and associate director of the Maryland Center for Health Equity in the School of Public Health, and she's a professor there. Um, last but not least, we have our very own Miss Adjua Cher Cherry Martin. I, I'm, I hope I didn't bungle that, Adjua. She is um, the Vice President for Communications and Public Affairs at NMQF and uh, has a, a huge background of experience and knowledge and she's going to show you a little bit about a program she's been developing for NMQF that I think you'll find exciting. Then we have Q&A. I would just ask you to put your questions in this Q&A chat box, not the chat box, the Q&A box. Um, and we'll get to them uh, at the end of our presentation. I, I should note that um, Reverend Harris will have to leave us at 12.40. So um, if you put questions in there, we'll see if we can't get to them um, before she leaves that you want her to answer. We'll certainly make sure that answers are given and shared with everyone. So I thank you, wishing you and yours a healthy and happy December. And I'm gonna stop sharing, let the show go on.
Nothing like pressure, huh? Hi, I'm Sandra Quinn. I'm a professor and chair of the Department of Family Science in the School of Public Health, University of Maryland. And I'm also senior associate director of the Maryland Center for Health Equity. It's flu season. So what do I think about? I think about love. When I was six, my mother was so sick with the flu, we couldn't see her. My grandmother came and took us away. And I remember being scared. Well, I am happy to say my mother recovered. Now it's flu season again. And I think about love. And you have people in your life you love, uh, a spouse, a partner, your children, your grandparents, your brothers, your sisters, your friends. So you may also be thinking, hey, the flu is like a bad cold. Well, it's not. And if you have a child with asthma or an older adult living with you with heart disease, they can get severely ill if they get infected with flu. So think about love. And I'm going to go get my flu shot. I'm going to take a loved one with me. And I hope you do too. Thank you so much. I want to hand the ball over to Reverend Dr. Harris. A gracious good afternoon to each of you. Uh, I am so excited to be with you today and honored to share in this august panel. Today, you're going to hear from experts regarding health disparities and challenges in black and brown communities. What I bring to this welcome table is a unique experience with hesitancy within urban and inner city context with a specific focus on communities of faith. I come before you today as a black woman, music educator, a mentor, a pastor, and a presiding elder who oversees 28 churches throughout the Detroit and mid-Michigan areas. I am the first woman to serve in such a capacity. I am the youngest. I am degreed and experienced. Although I believe that I bring help and healing to this ministerial territory, I am met with a great degree of skepticism. Although my work on the national level of our church has given me opportunities to preach and present across the country, I am still met with skepticism. Y'all, I'm new and different. I am proof that church as we know it is changing and change is uncomfortable. I understand skepticism. I live it. The difficulty with embracing, uh, this difficulty with embracing an idea or information that challenges thought, identity, and even theology. I understand that when I show up, I stir up their implicit bias, or maybe a better term for this conversation would be pre-existing conditions. And for many who look like me, there are pre-existing thoughts and conditions regarding vaccines. As someone who is intimately familiar with Black church, I can tell you that we trust what we know, our memory is long, and change of any kind is an affront to our identity. Let me, let me explain. We trust what we know. We know that cold and flu season comes every single year, but we also know a little cod liver oil and a hot toddy will knock that right out. We 
know that historically, accessibility to vaccines and adequate health care in some areas is little to non-existent. But we also know that mama had a bad cold last year, and she probably has some pills and some syrup left over. We know what we know, and our memory is long. We remember ex experiments. We remember being guinea pigs. We remember being dissected. We remember being told that our pain wasn't real. So the idea of doctor's visits and vaccines and boosters has to wade through history that testifies to violence predicated upon Black bodies. And that's to push past toxic theology that says, you don't need a doctor. All you need is Jesus. I can remember when word first broke about the COVID vaccine. Some of my members were very vocal about not getting vaccinated. Uh, Pastor, I'm not getting that shot. I got enough stuff wrong with me. Pastor, I'm not getting that shot. I refuse to grow a tail. Can y'all believe that? And when I would say, but thousands of people are dying every day. This could really benefit and bless us, y'all. I would hear responses like, if it's my time, it is my time. Or I just need to pray about it. Through much prayer, through many difficult dialogues and courageous conversations, we were able to encourage my congregation and many congregations in the Detroit area to get vaccinated. A few weeks ago, we hosted a health fair on the parking lot of our church. People were coming from not only my church, but from the community that surrounds the church to get boosted and vaccinated. They were coming because it was free. They were coming because it was available. And they were motivated because they saw my staff and myself standing in line to get vaccinated with them. When skepticism is met with authenticity, Minds and hearts can be shifted. People can be healed and helped, but it takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes compassion. We know what we know. Our memory is long and change can really mess with our identity. What does it say about my faith if I get vaccinated for the flu? Is this vaccination just another tool to keep me and my community afraid or controlled? Or is that flu shot just going to make me sick? Can I testify real quick? I was one who used to refuse to get the flu shot. Um, I, 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 I didn't want it because without fail, every single solitary time I got the flu shot, I always got sick. The flu shot for me was an inconvenience because I could not afford any downtime. Plus, not really a fan of being sick. Well, within the past 10 years, I've been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and I've been encouraged to get shots at every single doctor's visit. Finally, something clicked in me. How would the flu affect my compromised immune system if I were unvaccinated? What example of health and wellness am I giving my congregation and my colleagues? Yes, Jesus laid hands to heal, but he also spit on the ground to create a salve 
to restore a blind man's sight. Medications, vaccines, access, all of these, uh, these things are tools that God has given to heal and restore communities. So I've decided that this year, I'm going to use the flu vaccine as a form of education and self-care. I'm going to schedule my shot. And because I may have a reaction, I'm going to schedule some time off. And I'm going to take my congregation on this journey with me so that they can see how faith and works go together. My new appointment at Adding Elder gives me a unique opportunity to share, uh, promote, and encourage health and wellness in ways that have not been done in my faith community to date, to make health fairs common, to make printed resources available, to encourage pastors to develop relationships with health providers in their areas, to make vaccines just as reasonable as the Daniel fast is during Lent. Folks, the work is hard, but the mission is so very worth it. Thank you for receiving my perspective this morning, and thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for those inspiring words, Reverend Harris. Um, we're going to go ahead and follow up with Dr. Besselow, and I'm glad to run your slides for you, Dr. Besselow. Can you see the slides? Can you hear me? You're a little soft, but we can hear you. Okay, great. I just want to thank you as well as Reverend Dr. Harris just for laying this groundwork and um, just setting this landscape because this is so important. This is such a powerful topic and a powerful time in our country. Um, over the last two years, we've seen the devastation of COVID. And now this winter, we're moving into this triple demic where we're seeing three viruses that are circulating, COVID, flu, and RSV. And you can move on to the um, next slide, please. And when we talk about COVID flu and RSV, they're all, again, viruses that can affect not only our breathing, but our respiratory system. And you can move on to the next one, Lori. Thank you. And as you see in the news, um, it's real, it's happening. Laura Lee already shared um, the flu map for two weeks ago. And even as of yesterday, um, it's even more purple. So this is real. Flu is circulating. The activity is very high. We can move on to the next one. When we look at what the flu has done, and Reverend Dr. Harris already laid out some of the complications of flu, we see that in the last six weeks, we've already had over 50,000 people hospitalized due to the flu and over 3,000 deaths. But what's really unfortunate is the 12 pediatric deaths that we've seen so far this season. And that's always unfortunate, especially when we can prevent these with vaccination. Next slide, please.
Next slide, please. You can't see it? Okay, there it is. It's just a little delay, that's all. Um, we also wanna talk about why flu is just kind of so scary. And again, we know that for most people, it may be a bad headache, fever, chills. You're in bed for a couple of days, you may miss work, but it's always not that way for everyone else, especially for the very young in our population under five, those over 65, people with those chronic medical conditions that Dr. Harris mentioned, such as people with asthma and diabetes, because what happens is when you get the flu, it basically flares up those conditions, and that's what may end you up in the hospital. Pregnant people are at higher risk for complications from the flu, as we'll talk about in a minute, and even healthy people. Those complications can range from pneumonia, ear infections, sinus infections. It can also lead to people who have underlying heart disease, have more heart attacks or congestive heart failure. And as we mentioned, it could cause flare-ups of your asthma or diabetes, which is normally stable. So that's why the flu is so scary. On the next slide, we're gonna look at um, I know there's a little delay. We'll look at what we can do to fight these viruses, including the flu. We have masking. Of course, we still have social distancing. We have hand washing. These things, hopefully, we've all become accustomed to during the pandemic to fight not only flu, but COVID and as well as RSV. Um, and of course, we have vaccines. So what you're seeing here is, in a nutshell, the two flu vaccines that we have available. One is the shot, which is anyone six months and older is eligible who does not have a contraindication to getting a flu shot should get one. And there's also the nasal spray for healthy people two through 49 years of age. It's not unfortunately recommended for people who are pregnant or immunocompromised or have certain medical conditions. The good news is that so far this season, studies are showing that the viruses out there that are circulating match the killed viruses that are in the vaccine. So that means that this year's flu vaccine should help a great deal. And let me just counter one myth. The flu vaccine will not give you the flu. Um, as Dr. Um, Harris mentioned, yes, you have side effects after getting a flu shot. You may have some fever, chills, um, may make you feel sore and achy. You can take some ibuprofen or acetaminophen and feel better in a day or so. All that means is that immune system's working to fight off what it thinks is the real germ. It is not the flu that you're actually experiencing. So we wanna you know, share and kind of combat some of the information that you may hear out there thinking that you're getting the flu from the flu shot, but it's not the case. We also wanna remind you that our older adults, 65 years and older, need more protection. As we age, our immune systems start to wane. They get weaker and we need that extra boost. And so there are high dose flu vaccines or adjuvanted or boosted flu vaccines available for this age group. We encourage you to take your family members who fall into this age group to get their flu shot as soon as possible if they have not already, because they're the highest risk for dying from the flu. Now, for the rest of us, when can we get our flu vaccine? So on the next slide, you will see a little timetable. It was too early, probably July, August. Right now, it is not too late. As long as there's flu virus circulating, it's time to get vaccinated. So you can continue vaccinating throughout the season. It's best to get your vaccine now because it takes two weeks for that vaccine to take in your system and provide protection. You do not want to wait until the holiday 
to go ahead and get vaccinated. So go ahead and get vaccinated now to um, be protected. And then we also know on the next slide that children six months to eight years of age who are getting the flu vaccine for the first time this year, they require two doses. Give them their second dose a month after the first dose. So they need time to get that full protection. So start vaccinating them. Next, we know that the flu vaccine can be given the same time as pretty much any other vaccine. That includes the COVID-19 vaccine. So yes, if you are offered both vaccines at a visit, please take them. Or if someone um, is not offering them to you, ask, hey, I haven't had my COVID booster. Can I go ahead and get that today? So both vaccines can be given at the same visit. And it is safe to do so. It will not affect the potency or how effective either vaccine is. And you may have a little bit more of a sore arm, but again, you can go ahead and take those medications such as acetaminophen or ibuprofen to help you feel a little better. We also want to talk about flu antivirals, and that's on the next slide. That's what to do if you get sick with the flu, which can happen whether you're vaccinated or not. And we need to say that because a lot of people think that by getting the flu shot, oh, I should not get the flu. Unfortunately, nothing's 100%. Um, and what happens is that you may get the flu disease after getting vaccinated for a couple of reasons. One, it takes two weeks to build up that protection. So in that two-week time, if you are exposed to the flu, you could get sick, or you could get a flu strain that is actually not covered by the vaccine. So that could happen as well. So we want to ensure that in either scenario, whether you've had the flu vaccine or not, if you come down with the flu, you can ask for something called flu antivirals. This can help keep you out of the hospital or from dying from the flu, especially if you have a chronic medical condition like asthma, diabetes, or you're immunocompromised. It is a prescription, um, and they're different from antibiotics. It's not like amoxicillin, which fights a bacterial infection. Antiviral drugs for flu only work to treat the flu. Works best, started on day one or two of symptoms. Do not wait until day four or five to start this medication or request it. So ask early, and everyone can benefit from them. So I always talk about a vaccine in the vial versus a shot in the arm is really no help. And I've coined that term from other um, researchers and scientists. And we've already addressed this, and we can move on to the next slide um, as well, Laura Lee. But we've already addressed this slightly when Laura Lee talked about the decreased immunization rate in certain communities. We're also seeing flu hospitalization rates over the last 13 years, nearly 80% higher among black adults than among white adults, 30% higher among American Indian, Alaska Native adults than white adults, and 20% higher among Hispanic adults. So we know that flu hits us differently. Some of the reasons Dr. Harris talked about already, and we'll see that in a couple of slides, but we also know, as Laura Lee mentioned, that the disconnect there is that we're also not being vaccinated at the same rate um, as our white counterparts. So you see the high 30s to 40% for the Black and Hispanic communities compared to the 54% coverage rate for flu vaccine. And that's been going on for over a decade now. This is not. So what are some of those reasons that have been touched on already? We know that, um, as we can see on this next slide, that we have systemic level issues, the historical abuse of racial and ethnic communities, racism, prejudice, 
those social determinants of health, like poverty, a lack of access to care. And all of that then leads to, on an individual level, that lack of trust that Dr. Harris so eloquently discussed. Um, also, unfortunately, the receipt of increasing misinformation, sometimes targeted to our community. And then also, we have increased rates of chronic medical conditions because, again, of those same social determinants of health. So it's like that vicious cycle that we have to um, strive to break. So let's turn our focus just briefly to COVID-19 for a second. And um, on the next slide, what I really just wanted to share is that COVID-19 is still here. It has not left, unfortunately. Hundreds of people are still dying daily from COVID-19 in the U.S., many more around the world. So as you can see on this slide, all we can do, um, in addition to the same protective measures we have for the flu as hand washing, et cetera, wearing our masks, we need to stay up to date on our COVID-19 vaccine. And I'm still getting this question. Well, I had my booster a year ago. Do I still need this new updated booster? Yes, you do. Um, we have new variants now. The updated booster will help protect you against this Omicron variant. So we need to ensure that if, as long as it's been two months since your last COVID-19 dose, even if you had a booster before, please do not delay. Make sure you receive this booster. And then a really um, sad scenario that I wanted to share with you is that people still don't realize that even though they have a weakened immune system, they're still eligible for this vaccine. I had a talk recently and ran across a young lady who asked me, she said, my son has sickle cell. Should he be getting this booster? And it hurt because this has been two years in the pandemic. And I'm sure he's been seen by primary care physicians, et cetera. And she had not received that message that he was high priority for receiving this um, COVID-19 vaccine. So we encourage you to send this message um, that everyone five years and older should get their updated booster. Everyone six months and older should, of course, get their COVID-19 vaccine. And we already talked about um, the concerns and communities, and Dr. Harris eloquently laid that out. So what we'll do now is talk about another group, um, pregnant people, that we want to make sure we encourage vaccination. So on the next couple of slides, um, we're looking at the importance of flu vaccines in pregnant people. We know that flu can be such a serious illness because now you have, you're carrying two people. You're carrying the pregnant person and their unborn baby. So there's increased stress on the body. So if you then add flu to that mix, you can be in serious trouble. Um, the person can end up in the hospital, in the ICU, on the ventilator. And the flu vaccine does two things. It protects not only the person who's pregnant, but it also protects that unborn baby um, and the baby up to six months of age um, from the flu. So that's double protection because babies under six months are not eligible for a flu vaccine. So you're helping to protect them ahead of time by making sure the pregnant person is vaccinated. And the flu vaccine is safe for both pregnant person and for the baby. You cannot again get flu from the flu vaccine. COVID-19 on the next slide, it's also something we do not want for someone who's pregnant to catch. Um, you're more likely to end up in the ICU as a pregnant woman with COVID um, than someone who's not pregnant. You may be more likely to end up on a ventilator or, God forbid, die from the illness. We know that COVID-19 vaccines in pregnancy have been found to be safe. Um, on the next slide, you will see a graphic that shows there is no evidence that the vaccines increase the risk of miscarriage nor stillbirth. 
um, pregnant people are, as we know, at higher risk, as we mentioned, and the vaccine is recommended during any trimester of pregnancy. We're also finding out that there are protective fighting cells or antibodies that pass from the um, person who's being vaccinated to their baby after vaccination protecting. So just like the flu vaccine, it offers protection for the baby as well. You can also get your COVID-19 vaccine if you're breastfeeding, and there's no evidence that it will, can affect fertility in either women or in men. So on the um, next slide, Laura Lee, we can go to, we wanna just look at where we are with COVID-19 vaccination rates in pregnant people. And again, unfortunately, we are seeing a um, disparity there by race and ethnicity. So when we um, see this slide, what we're looking at is the green diamond line at the very bottom. And we're seeing that represents black pregnant people. And the white counterparts are higher up um, where we see coverage for two doses of the COVID-19 in the white pregnant population of adults at closer to 68%, but only 57% in black pregnant people. And that's just the two doses of COVID-19 vaccine. On the next slide, if you look at booster doses, very similarly, you see decreased vaccination coverage rates um, in black and Hispanic pregnant people for the booster dose um, on that next slide as well. So next topic we wanted to just close with is RSV. You've heard about this RSV virus that's been circulating and it's called respiratory syncytial virus. It can affect children and adults. Um, we see it especially in older adults um, we didn't realize what an impact it had, but it can cause up to 11,000 older adults every year to be hospitalized. We know it better um, when we move on to this slide, perfect. In children, um, we see RSV. Well, unfortunately, there's no vaccine as yet. There is a preventive medicine for premature infants. It's a, what we call a monoclonal antibody, where you're giving them medication ahead of time to prevent severe illness. For most babies, it can be just a cold, but for some, especially those under six months, they can present with fast breathing, wheezing, belly breathing, where you have that tugging, and we're seeing hundreds and hundreds of these babies being hospitalized, um, and that's why these urgent cares and emergency rooms are being overwhelmed. Hospital beds are full because now we have RSV, COVID, and flu all circulating at the same time. So even though we cannot vaccinate yet against RSV, there's still other preventive measures we can take. And for a baby six months and older, they can get the COVID and flu vaccine. So what are our takeaways? One, we um, want to stop the spread of these by staying up to date on our COVID and flu vaccine, by masking, ensuring that we ventilate our areas. If you're planning an upcoming family event for the holidays, if it's warm enough, maybe it's something that can be done outdoors or a well-ventilated indoor space. We can um, continue to encourage hand washing. If we are symptomatic, we need to test, especially if we're gonna be amongst others. Stay home when you're sick. And especially if you're a high-risk patient, ask about antivirals for both COVID and flu. There are medications that can help. Symptoms are very similar when we look at COVID-19, flu, or RSV. 
And I don't expect you to see this graph on the next slide, but it's really just for your information and we can share the link. But again, you can have cough, fever, sneezing, headache, with all of these um, illnesses. It can be very similar. So if you're not able to tell the difference because of the symptoms, then you must test. If your COVID test is normal, but you still have symptoms, ask your provider, can I have a flu test instead? Because you want to know, especially if you're going to be around others who may have a suppressed immune system or older adults or very young babies. And then lastly, remember that there are other recommended adult vaccines. There are also tetanus vaccines that you need to be up to date with every 10 years. Hepatitis B vaccines, shingle vaccines, if you're over 50, that prevents you from getting shingles. Um, pneumococcal vaccine to prevent pneumococcal disease. Um, and remember, all of these vaccines may be administered on the same day. So again, I want to thank you for this opportunity, and I'm sure at the end there may be questions, so I'll be around. Thank you so much, Laura Lee, for leaving the slide. Thank you. I'm not so good at it, huh, Dr. Bessalo. But let me... Uh, no, you did an awesome job. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to Dr. Quinn, and I think that uh, Caitlin will help with her slides. Thank you, Dr. Hall. And, and Reverend Dr. Harris and Dr. Bessalo, you have laid the foundation, so we are really very much all singing a similar song here. So how can Black women be a powerful source to protect their families? And we've already heard Reverend Dr. Harris talk about her being a role model and being honest and grappling with her own concerns, her own fears, um, and the history that we know shapes how many African-Americans respond to this vaccine. Next slide, please. So I'm going to do just a very quick um, update on uh, what are the factors we know. I will stipulate right now everything that both, both of my predecessors have talked about are all reasons that we see low vaccination rates. Absolutely. I'm going to share data from uh, a NIH-funded study with both whites and African-Americans, over 800 of each group in a survey, a nine focus group and countless interviews. I'm also gonna share a little bit of data from Communivax, which is a rapid ethnographic study focused on vaccine equity in which we worked in six communities around the country, three of them Latino and three of them African-Americans. I'll share a little data from our team in Prince George's County, Maryland, and from the team working in Alabama. Next slide, please. There are many factors that affect um, whether people take the flu vaccine, certainly their perceived risk. So you heard both of our, my predecessors talk about the, the flu can, is, is not simply a cold. It can be quite serious. So having a higher perceived disease risk obviously can drive vaccinations. But for African-Americans, what we heard was they had a higher perceived risk of uh, side effects from the vaccine. But it wasn't just that, but they also saw those side effects as being much more serious, including that people could die. And we know there's a, a history um, that drives those kinds of fears. So the higher deceived risk, 
the higher vaccine uptake. But when people start to believe those side effects are real and serious, that depresses uptake. We know that higher trust in the vaccine and the vaccine process is, is a driver of vaccine uptake. And we also know that African-Americans have lower trust in all those organizations, CDC, pharmaceutical companies, um, hospital systems, for good reason, given our history and our current day. And we know, and this is why Dr. Besselow's also um, presentation is so important, that knowledge is associated with uptake. Next, please. But there are a couple of other things that I want to talk about. One is the importance of social norms. What do we believe that people want us to do with regard to vaccination? And what do people believe that the people around them are doing? So we asked what proportion of people close to you want you to get a flu shot? Well, fewer than less than 50% of this was over 800 in a national survey said that fewer than half wanted them to get the flu vaccine shot. So when you believe that people close to you want you to get vaccinated, you're more likely to get vaccinated. But we also heard something that was important as well. We also heard that for people who took the vaccine most years or every year, and we ask about what they did over a five-year period, that, that African-Americans had a higher moral norm. They believed that taking the flu vaccine, that it was their moral obligation to get the vaccine as a way to protect others. Next, please. But we also know that families are a huge influence on vaccine decisions. And in this case, an African-American male, these the initials African-American male vaccine taker, grew up in a family with health professionals. Vaccine, taking the vaccine was just a norm for their family. Next, please. But it can also go the other way. Many for reasons that Dr. Uh, Reverend Dr. Harris talked about that a family, in this case, from grandmother um, through the entire family, they were afraid that the vaccine would give them the flu and they didn't want to take it. And there are always fears of, of you know, experimentation, a lot of things, and that history of lack of access. And so that continued for this woman, you know, throughout her life. Next, please. So in, from Communivax, we heard that family was a motivator for getting vaccination and that this woman said, I want to do my part. My mother got sick. Now she's gotten over it and I want to make sure she stays well, but also my siblings. Next, please. And so we know that norms are important. We, we know that people are at high risk. Uh, for a variety of reasons, and that we need to make sure they get the vaccine. So what can Black women do, and we'll see some examples of what they are doing, to make a difference? Next, please. So Dr. Bosolo talked about people who are at higher risk. And, and so going back now to that social norm, and the importance of people at high risk in their lives, you know, because of their health, knowing that you 
want them to get vaccinated, that you see it as critical so that that social norm is valuable, but also going back to that moral norm, that talking about and changing those social norms, that it's not just about getting the vaccine, the high risk person getting it, it's about the rest of us also following that moral obligation and getting vaccinated to protect whether it's as this mom with her, her little boy, uh, whether it's the grandmother that lives with us, whoever's vulnerable. But also remembering, you know, being positive about this. You know, it's yes, it can prevent you from severe disease and hospitalization. That's the bottom line, right? That's the most critical. Also can keep you from missing work, your kids from missing school, and not everyone has sick leave. So that's an, an important thing as well. Next, please. You can help remove barriers. Reverend Dr. Harris said, we had a clinic out in the parking lot. This is from a woman in Alabama saying, you know, a daughter signed up her mom, then she signed up this other woman, but then she became an advocate. This is for COVID vaccine. She called all the mayors in her county and said, we need more communication about this. We need more access. So removing barriers, taking somebody with you when you go, helping them make an appointment, those things, and being an advocate for access, because we have found that it's not simply hesitancy, it is also access. And that was really true at times during COVID. Next, please. So the most important voices now are Michelle Lamb, Dorothy Reynolds, and Terry Branch. They are part of Wellness Warriors, which is a program of barbers and stylists around the country that work with our Center for Health Equity. Laura Lee has been part of supporting this effort. So let's hear, Caitlin, from these women. And, and I want the audience to recognize that and, and some of the people we talk to and, and why they don't go to the doctor or at least don't go back is because they feel like as soon as they go back, they get chastised. Mm -hmm. They get shamed. Yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, all the warriors here have shown you very interesting communication strategies. They don't have to close the deal all at once because they're going to see the people on a routine basis. They have a relationship. They have relationship. Hey, Miss Lamb, what techniques yes. are you using? Well, what I do, Dr. T and audience is, I don't just tell my clients, do this or do that. I show them. When I had uh, vaccines, booster shots, flu shots, I got mine right along with them. I want them to know, I'm just not talking the talk, yes. I'm walking the walk You also. better do it. <laughs> so that's what I do. And a lot of times when you have clients, you already have a relationship. Mm -hmm. So like Miss Terry and Miss Dorothy said, when you come to, they let it all out. So there's nothing wrong with um, talking to them about their health. I have actually been talking to my clients about advocating more for their health mm -hmm. because as we all know we go to the doctors and they don't half of the time you don't know what they're talking about they have to break <laughs> it down in layman terms so that you can understand right and so that's why i encourage my client to do and like i said i get my blood pressure when i have 
the nurses here for I'm doing everything they're doing because I want them to see and I have it on camera. <laughs> so I don't just say I'm not talking, I'm showing you. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and you know, Miss Dorothy, you know, sometimes people are afraid of our own people, especially the teenagers, the young ones. And you came on and talked about how you walked out on the corner with these young folks and just started a conversation with them. And I want this audience to know that's what fearless warriors do. What's your, what, 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 what techniques do you use, Miss Dorothy? Well, you know, when I drove up to them, one of them knew me and the others didn't, but they were listening to the one that know, know me. And one of them said, she's pretty cool. <laughs> so it wasn't the $25 gift card that made them come. It was the fact that they, one of them believed in what I was saying. And I showed them, I have my, I ha I've been vaccinated hanging in my car. So they, they knew that I had already, like uh, Michelle said, I already been vaccinated. And as I, they, they felt like the government, the story about the government, the this, that, and the other. And so I gave them a story about what you people take and intake and they don't question it so they decided well i'll give it a chance and mm -hmm. when they came they saw me get my booster shot mm -hmm. and they that because they stood back they didn't register at first they just stood back and watched and when they saw me get my booster shot they said what the leader said if she can do it i can do it this little woman oh grandma said, if this little woman and take the shot i can do it so the rest of them follow suit and i my church on a subway restaurant and they hang around up there near the restaurant and when i see them they give me a high five and or tell me i got my other shot i got my booster. and so um people will always ask me why are you walking up to these kids you don't know them and my husband said, I walk around with a red flag over my head, <laughs> but I feel comfortable with them, you know, because of the relationship I have with them in the community and they believe in me. So I'm, I, I'm, I have to model for them and they see something. I, I, I'm just... So what what you heard these women talking about was just the things that we've talked about, being role models, being um, in communicating. And and I know from working with them and our local barbers and stylists, you know, having long time conversations, all our local barbers and stylists started out absolutely hesitant, I would say resistant. Yeah, for all the reasons we know, but we've worked with them since 2012. And so it's been a long time conversation. So these three women are doing what we've talked about. They're being role models, they're building relationships and communication. And what's really important here is Miss Dorothy also reaches out to young people because she's of an age that's more likely to be, although still not high enough rates, vaccinated. But young people, and particularly young men, no, not nearly as likely. So these are just three 
examples of women making huge differences with flu and COVID vaccine in their communities. So next, please. And so first, I want to thank you for what you do to keep your communities safe. And I'll stop here and we can share the slides later and you'll see some resources at the end. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Sandra. That was really um, illuminating and I think helped bring it home. But let's hear from Adwa, who has built uh, uh, some program tools that are based on this research. Um, Adwa, without any further ado, please. Hello, everyone. Yeah, so actually, as a, a big part of this fight against the flu is communication, and it has to be constant, and it has to be intentional. Um, and so we want to share with you all premiere today from NNQF, um, a video series really highlighting uh, the importance in community um, to to fight severe illness related to the flu and uh, the importance of vaccines and what uh, and remind everyone what is at stake. And then I also want you all to share uh, at the conclusion of this webinar, uh, the opportunity for folks to share their flu story. And we'll be tracking these flu stories as they come in, um, patient stories as they come in over National Flu Week next week. So first I will show you a video. This is a special series that is curated um, with a, an artist um, that really, you know, this was dear to her heart. Um, and we know that um, big motivating factors for communities, especially women of color, um, is, is family, protecting one's family. We also know that um, faith is also a strong motivator in, as, as Reverend mentioned earlier today, um, it is a, a strong motivator to, to fight the flu. And here's how we can use this messaging to really uh, make the point. So without further ado. This video will be available on YouTube and we will share those links um, once they officially premiere, but you are getting the exclusive first look. I love spending time with my granddaughter. Walking her to and from the bus stop is our special time together. Sending her off to school is like sending her to a battleground. You don't know what kinds of viruses she can pick up from school especially during flu season. So to protect our time together from being cut short, I make sure we get our annual flu vaccines. It protects us from getting severely ill and lets us spend more time together. There's even a special vaccine for glamas like me, the high dose vaccine, which adds that extra protection for my immune system. I'm thankful for modern medicine, for protecting my family. Okay, and then the next video. The church is my safe place, my peace. 
I take myself and my elderly mother every week. When the COVID lockdowns prevented us from going to church, it was hard for both my mother and me to cope. But the truth is, COVID was not the first time our church was affected by a virus. We've had tough flu seasons, times that did not make the major news because unfortunately, our community is always affected the most. I can help protect my church by helping others get vaccinated. Unlike COVID, the flu season consistently starts in the fall. I know the best way to prevent the flu from worsening is to get my flu shot and help my mom get the vaccine that is right for her. Preventing the flu means that I get to go to my church uninterrupted. So with powerful challenges must come powerful messaging. Uh, we hope that this video series can help your, you and your community fight the flu and uh, that you'll be able to share these resources widely. There's nothing more powerful than our stories. And um, the two that you just heard reflect so many of the stories that we hear across the country um, from sister to sister, heart to heart. We want you to encourage, we want to encourage you all to um, contribute to this story series by visiting foryourhealth.news backslash flu dash story. I will put this uh, link in the chat. I think we can do that. Um, otherwise you could take note of it right now. But we really want to know um, what has been your experience with the flu? Do you know someone who has experienced severe flu symptoms? Um, we know, unfortunately, people have passed um, because of severe illness related to the flu. Can you share that story with others so that um, people can be more aware of what is at stake? Um, have you received the flu vaccine and what has that meant to you and your family and your community? Uh, thank you so much for your attention and time today. I just wanna thank you, Adjoa. Those are such beautiful resources. And um, I'm just trying to get my screen working here. And I think we had so much information. We are unfortunately out of time. So I left my email address in the chat. Please, any questions, uh, just email me. I'll make sure that the person you've asked gets that question and we'll get it back to you. Uh, keep doing all the great good things you're doing. Uh, remember how important mom, grandma, grandma, uh, sister, aunt, you know, we have a special mission to help our families and communities. Um, and I'll thank once again, uh, our panelists who are amazing. Have a great weekend, everyone.